The reading this morning is from Luke 24, verse 13 to 35, on the road to Emmaus. And I want you to reflect on this time. Is this you and I in the middle of the week? Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Thanks be to God for his word. Good morning, everyone. Good to be here again with you. I think it might be about the fourth or fifth time I've been here at Williamstown. You both got a postcard when you walked in that said something like Walk for Hope. I'll be sharing a little bit about that this morning. Um, But as we come toward Easter as a church, it's good to focus on those we also walk with. Uh, there's lots of walking going along at Easter. There's the walk to the cross, 
There's the walk uh, to Emmaus, and then there's the walk of the apostles as they head out uh, to the ends of the earth after Pentecost as well. Um, As the church, we have many relations with all sorts of communities and people, not just here in our community, but right around the world. Um, And Easter time is a time that we can actually focus on these connections that we have. Keep your eyes out next week. You'll have a video introducing Walk for Hope. But really, um, we're inviting people to walk to church on Good Friday, whether that's a kilometre, 10 kilometres. You can go further if you like. Um, There's all sorts of things you might do with that. You might consider what it means to be walking through the community as a disciple of Christ. You might consider it as your own walk toward the cross, as 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 a Stations of the Cross sort of prayer walk thing. It's all open. You might be talking about this in the next few weeks with Tiffany. I think he's going to have some ideas there. Um, I'll I'll handball that over to you guys. Um, But if you'd like to talk to me after, come and do so. So Walk for Hope, you might remember last year we did share uh, the story of Agnes, um, who was the main... We had a video of Agnes um, introducing this campaign last year. And um, Agnes was walking 15 kilometres to church every week, as so many people around the world do to get to church on a Sunday. Um, and since then, she's been able to, to construct, as she was actually involved with, with the brickwork herself, um, construct a new church building. Uh, this is in Zimbabwe. Um, she's still seven kilometres from her home, so it's still a decent walk, but it's much closer. And this is the church here. Um, it's not the church, it's the people of the church, um, also known as Church of the Hill. So these are some of our connections through uh, the churches across in Zimbabwe. And at Easter, uh, our work is, is focused and, and the projects that I'll share with you today are focused on um, creating access to the gospel and, and leadership development within these churches. But I'm going to start back in the uh, 16th century um, with a Dutch painter by the name of Bruegel. Anyone ever heard of Bruegel? Probably not. Wow. Good. Um, when I got married, I uh, gave my wife a print of this painting. Uh, it's, the, it's called The Fall of Icarus. And uh, I gave it to her on our wedding day. Unbeknownst to me, she had also got me a painting of Bruegel. There was something going on here. She gave me Mad Meg Pillager's Hell. I don't <laughs> Not sure what she was saying with that. <laughs> um, but I'm going to start with this Bruegel painting. Uh, and uh, it looks a little bit like a Where's Wally. Um, what's going on in this scene? It's really hard to see straight away. What we do notice, perhaps, is just down in the bottom corner, there's some women grieving. And, and given that we can't quite see what else is going on, we might ask, why are these women grieving? And, and as we look closer at other events... In the crowd, there's, there's all sorts of uh, scenes. Um, there are farmers. There are, these are all in here, if you can see them. There are farmers. There are geese. There are cats. There are soldiers who look like they're making a bit of trouble. There are some children with their grandmother. There is an, another pair of children fighting and a crowd of onlookers. It's a busy scene, bustling with everyday life. And uh, if we look even closer, somewhere in the middle, we can see a procession 
You can see Jesus with the cross right at the centre of the painting. Um, If I zoom out again... Nope. Um, I'll zoom out in a second. And and this procession is on the way, and up in the top corner we can see uh, where they're headed. There's a crowd uh, making its way to a hill, awaiting a spectacle, something perhaps just to distract them from the drudgery of everyday life. I think you can see now, right in the centre, there is uh, Jesus carrying the cross. It's easy to miss what's right in the very centre of life. And when we look at Easter, we might ask ourselves the question, what are we seeing? In the scene before us, people see different things. Even in the Gospels, the different writers remember different parts of the story. Some recall the scuffle in the garden at Gethsemane, a shirt fronting that leads to a chopped off ear. Some describe an arrest, an encounter with Pilate, a trial, an earthquake, a torn curtain, some cloth left in an empty tomb. These things are presented to us and it is up to us to make sense of them. What do we see at Easter? The same goes for our society. There are many different views of Easter. Some people see a holiday. Others see a tradition that has been celebrated for millennia. It's there for all of us to see. And yet Jesus at the centre, quietly walking toward the cross, enduring insult, is very easy to miss. How we see the events of Easter shapes who we are as Christians. But it's not an easy or an obvious story. We might wonder what sort of God this is that we can see in in tattered clothes, beaten and wearing a crown of thorns. Who did the passers-by, sorry, who did the crowds see passing them by? Many gazed on, but only for a while before drifting away. Others looked intently at this very real, fragile character before them. One criminal who hung beside Jesus saw his innocence. The centurion exclaimed, surely this is the Son of God. Later at the tomb, Mary at first thought she saw a gardener, but then recognised Jesus. She went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Looking in, he saw only an empty tomb. And yet he went back to the disciples and told them what has happened. John says he saw and believed. Others saw a a conspiracy, a body that had been stolen. Thomas, you might remember, demanded proof. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, I will not believe. From the beginning to the end, Easter is a drama of seeing and non-seeing. 
The message of the cross is difficult, perplexing. It is foolishness. It is not seen by many, but as Christians, we look to the cross with hope. There is something to see here. And there is something here that opens our eyes to life in a new way. The way we see the world is renewed by what we discover at Easter. Let me just recap from our story on the road to Emmaus. Now, on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's about 10 kilometres, isn't it? There we go. There's a challenge. Um, And talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. These followers of Jesus had placed their hope in a prophet mighty in deed and word. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel, and yet he was put to death. They could not see God's future in the cross. As the two disciples walked down the road, their eyes were downcast. They hardly noticed the stranger walking beside them. Their feet dragged through the dust, through dusty villages, where people just kept on their daily business, plucking chickens, feeding the dogs, gathering wood, chasing ill-mannered children. The world did not seem to care about what had happened. Arriving at their village, the stranger who walked alongside them went ahead as if going on his way. Wait a moment, they called. It's getting dark. Come and, come and stay the night. A small kindness, a place to sleep, a meal, invited into their home. Jesus remained with them. And at the table, he took a loaf of bread and gave, gave thanks. This is my body broken for you. At this point, their eyes were opened and they recognised him. They started to see everything in a new light and recalling their walk along the road, they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? In their home, at their family table, in, in the middle of everyday life, They recognised in Jesus the love of God. They recognised God who was with them. God who was for them. In this great artwork of life that we find ourselves in, God's love is right at the centre, whether we notice it or not. And this is our hope, that the life of God, that the creativity of God, that the renewal of God, these things are here right for us in the very middle of our lives. Our hope is that the kingdom of God is in our midst. What we see at Easter shapes who we are as a church. And in the cross we learn that God has skin in the game. Even if this looks like humility and suffering. 
And this is also our difficult call as the church, to love others as God also loves us, to become a real presence of hope in their lives and the lives of those around us. And so as we walk beside others, as we open our homes and our lives to them, as we sit together, as we speak honestly of our confusions, our hopes and our dreams, when we can say, this is my body broken for you, that is the place right in the middle that we'll discover the miraculous gift of life. And that is where we'll have life in abundance. These stories from Easter are one part of the church. But we also have stories that speak of God's love in the midst of life uh, from, from the church. We can hear these stories from the experience of others as well. And our life as a church is, in, is, is enriched as we discover hope in Christ and what that means as we hear and walk alongside those um, also of faith. And so I want to present three brief snapshots, three brief stories of the church, of places that we can hear of the love of God right in the centre of life. Indonesia, our perhaps one of our closest neighbours, and there um, at the Churches of Christ College, students to graduate into ministry must plant a church. And so for four years through their ministry, every weekend they head out and they have all sorts of um, initiatives underway to build relations in the local community because it's a, a predominantly Muslim population and there's no immediate trust um, of what the church is and who these people are. To plant a church, they have to get 80 signatures from the local community, including the leader of the local mosque. And so these students go about winning the trust of uh, the communities that work, and they start businesses as hairdressers, volunteers, uh, tutors. They, they help making bricks in the fields. And these young 19 and 20-year-olds are making friends and getting belong, uh, alongside others as the foundation of the church. And it's by serving others and getting beside them that they really learn to hope for others. And they really learn what it is for the church and for the message of the gospel to have a meaningful presence in people's lives. The church in Indonesia looks to their Muslim neighbours with hope that the love of God might be known. In Fiji, uh, the churches of Christ communities are predominantly within the Indian Fijian population, the Indo-Fijian population, which is actually about 40% of Fiji. Um, but often the, uh, the people who are labourers working cutting sugarcane, um, the ones earning milk bars and those kinds of things, they're often very poor. And as an ethnicity, especially after the various coups, uh, they have uh, felt all sorts of uh, levels of persecution in Fiji. Um, and so we've been supporting some very poor communities and churches. Indeed, this family at a place called Lamawai 
sell dried fish like little anchovies for a living. They get them from the fishermen and dry them. And this is a community of, of fishermen. And this couple had planned to do a little bit of work on their home and they'd saved up a little bit of money with just the few resources they had. They, they decided, though, that this would be better put into the church and the construction of a new building that people could come and gather at. And, and with all that they had, they were able to purchase just 17 bricks. They gave them to the church in the hope that future generations would discover, discover God. Um, though they have little, they have absolute great trust. At the same church, uh, this lady named Rukmani, um, she underwent a conversion experience uh, in her 60s. And um, for about 10 years, she met with a small group of Christians in her home in a, in a largely Hindu area of a sugarcane farm where the uh, Indian community are the labourers in the fields. And um, what she, she decided after a while was that the church needed somewhere to visit. Um, this is where they had been in this uh, outdoor shelter here. They'd been uh, meeting on the block of, back of someone's land. Um, when I went there, actually, it was quite nice, but they, they thought it was cold. It was 25 degrees. <laughs> um, and so she donated a block of land to the church. And, and although now she's at 75 years and unable to do much manual work because of this back pain that she's had for many years, she can be seen out there cutting the grass with a machete or raking up after others. And she's leading the way by raising money for a new building. Um, by selling chickens and donating the process, proceeds to, to the building. Um, Rukmani says that she contributes with joy, thanksgiving and a deep love for Jesus who restored her physically and also spiritually and she says, and gave me new hope. And so it's in the most vulnerable places we discover that others live with great hope in God's provision and joy. And finally, in Zimbabwe, um, where you may have heard in the news that there's currently huge inflation issues going on again, um, spiralling out of control. Everyday things are getting harder and harder to buy. Um, there's protests at fuel pumps and fuels three times the rate that it was last year and all sorts of things like this. So please continue to keep Zimbabwe in your prayers. Um, there where... Um, working alongside and have been for over 100 years now, the Associated Churches of Christ in Zimbabwe, um, working to support uh, leadership development and also evangelists who head out into uh, small communities on motorbikes. Evangelists are tasked with planting six to eight churches each and raising up leaders uh, to continue that work in those churches. And they conduct funerals, pray and preach on their Sunday circuits which could be, they previously had to walk about 15 kilometres between each church on a Sunday before we were able to give them some motorbikes. Um, one fella, Famous Zhao, um, is one of these evangelists. He's planted 22 churches in seven years um, and previously walking between them all every Sunday. Another evangelist uh, in Zimbabwe is Sushone, and uh, Sushone 
again, with very few resources, struggled to educate his children from the basic salary that he gets. But he puts everything he can into his work as an evangelist and his wife is also working on the farm to raise extra money for the family. And yet, despite their hardships, there's great joy in these communities. People who are absolutely happy to give everything that they have uh, back into the life that God has called them to. In Zimbabwe, we hear of pastors with few resources travelling long miles down dusty, pothole-ridden roads, giving everything they have to be beside others and to share their hope in the gospel. Let me just play you one brief clip uh, from one of our evangelists in Zimbabwe. I think we um, can just leave it till next week. Yeah, um, that's okay. Halembo was one character who um, he's just sharing of, of his call to ministry um, and how he, go, how he goes about that work. Um, one of the best ways to continue to um, be enriched as the church by these stories is to just be exposed to them. So I encourage you uh, to continue to pray uh, for this work. I've got a few prayer booklets if you'd like to take one. Uh, I'll pass them around. And if you'd like to hear a, a monthly update um, from all of this work, uh, please pop your email down on this. I'll pass this around as we finish. Thanks. Um, and keep your eyes peeled for more next week. Um, I'll be hanging around after the service, but let's pray. Loving God, we're thankful for the life of Jesus who walked down dusty streets through the middle of life who is with us in our relationships with one another. Open our eyes to the cross. Help us to see your future in it and and the future of the world uh, that is full of hope in you. Enliven the church in Indonesia with creativity and deepen our friendships with those overseas as they discover what it is uh, to bring the hope of the gospel into their communities and villages. Encourage those in Fiji to keep trusting in you, even though life throws up difficulties. And give those in Zimbabwe a sure sense of purpose and foundation as they face social and economic instabilities. As we walk through life, fill our eyes with hope that others might also come to know you. Let it be so. Amen.